0: Hello, and welcome to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. My name is Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to be your host for this new film and entertainment industry podcast. In 2022, I discovered that I have a absolute love for film. I joined the A list. I went and saw 41 new releases on top of seeing a couple re-releases and whatnot. And I learned that it's not just a passion for watching movies, but also a passion for talking about them. And as a result, I'm starting this podcast, The Sidekick Critic. Now, you may be asking yourself, why Sidekick Critic? Where does that name come into play? And to that, I would say, I think it's time we focus on the sidekicks a little bit. For every Batman, there's a Robin. For every Michael Jordan, there's a Scottie Pippen. And I think when you look at the film industry as a whole... There's tons of A-list actors and big name directors who get all the attention and the late night interviews for movies, but there's so many other people who help create this film. There's editors, composers, there's side characters who you recognize, but you don't know their name, and I think we should give them some attention. So that's where the sidekick critic comes into play. Primarily on this podcast, I'm going to be doing movie reviews. As mentioned, I love seeing new movies, and I go quite a bit, so as I see movies, I'm going to come in here and talk about them with you. Uh, typically, those discussions are going to take a uh, little bit of a segmented format, where I run through different segments to break down the movie for you. We're going to start each review by rolling out the red carpet, where I break down the cast and crew for the film to tell you who's in it, so you can get more familiar with these names, as I also get more familiar with them. Then I'm going to go into a quick one-minute review where I just give you a little sound bite so you can hear my thoughts on the movie and give a rating and whatnot. After that, I'm going to go into a ticket seller segment where I'm going to discuss what's selling the tickets for the movie, what really got me to go see it aside from having the A-list membership, and what's getting other people to go see it. On the flip side of ticket sellers is going to be a segment I'm calling Flops, where Movies are often called flops, and I'm going to tell you why. What's the downside of this movie? What might people not like from it? Um, a lot of times, for a movie to be labeled a flop, it comes down to the box office, so I'm going to do a by the numbers segment where I break down the numbers, the budget, the box office, opening weekend, and essentially tell you how numbers tell the story of a movie. Those first few segments, roll the red carpet, one-minute review ticket sellers, flops, and buy the numbers will all be spoiler free. Uh, You can listen to that part of a movie review without having the movie be spoiled. From there, we're going to get into a little bit of a spoiler segment where I start with an in-depth review. I'm going to recap the plot, and I'm going to look at some deeper themes of the movie and kind of dive into it from a uh, wider perspective. Then I'm going to award... Some awards for a film where I talk about who is the best of the film, who might have been the worst, and look how a movie might do come award season. I love award season, so I'm always going to be watching movies with that lens on. And In Vain with Awards is going to be an award I hand out to every movie I see in review, which will be the Sidekick of the Flick Award. And that's going to be essentially the point of this podcast where... I find a sidekick for the film, someone who's not getting late night interviews and not the star of the movie and is deserves recognition. And I'm going to break down their role in the film. I'm going to break down what else they've done in their career, whether I've seen it or haven't seen it. And hopefully I can interview them and get more of their thoughts and influences from what went into their work for not just the movie I'm reviewing, but other movies as well. And those will be my segmented discussions for movie reviews. I'll also use a lot of those segments as I watch movies at home. Uh, I think on Letterboxd, I'm at around 700 movies seen, but there's still so many classics I haven't seen that I'd like to. So from time to time, I'll come on here and I'll talk about those movies I've watched at home with you. Uh, And then also I'm going to do some special episodes where maybe I rank the movies I've seen so far in a year. I look ahead in the film industry at what's coming next, or I talk about award season. Uh, I'm a huge fan of award season. The Oscars are coming up in March. I'm very much looking forward to it. So uh, I'll be here to talk about it with you, and give you my thoughts on who were the snubs and who deserves more recognition and who got all the recognition they deserved. And that's going to be pretty much what you can expect from the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Like I said, I love talking about movies. So I'm going to try to be here posting at least one episode every week for you as I recap movies in the film industry at large. And I hope you will join me for this journey as I start this new podcast and learn the ins and outs and find my groove with it. I'm really looking forward to talking about movies with you. Uh, Please make sure you follow me at Sidekick Critic. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, where I'll post clips and keep you up to date on what's coming with our feed. And be sure to subscribe on YouTube at Sidekick Critic. That's where all my full episodes are going to be posted for now, so if you're looking for a full episode, a full review on a movie, YouTube at Sidekick Critic, and that's pretty much going to be the intro. Um, I'm excited for the movie review I have for you today. Today's movie review is for Megan, the uh, new release from Bloom House, just about, I think it came out the second weekend in January. Uh, I would say more right now, but I'm going to save that for the discussion, so... Thanks for stopping by and uh, here's our review for Megan. Okay, so we are here today to talk about the latest release from Blumhouse Productions, Megan, M-3-G-A-N. As I said, we're gonna break into segments to discuss this movie. So our first segment is called Roll the Red Carpet, where I'm gonna roll out the red carpet and tell you who's in this movie, who would be at the premiere for it, and all that stuff so you can know the names Behind some of your favorite movies uh, First up, like I said This movie is made from Blumhouse Productions Who did films like The Purge, they did uh, A couple Paranormal Activity films A couple Insidious M. Night, Shyamalan's recent Glass uh, Very big name and Even growing name in the horror production uh, Side of the film industry Blumhouse makes some really good movies I'm typically not a horror fan But I gave it a shot with Megan Um, The movie is directed by Gerard Johnstone, who has not directed anything I have seen. It's only his fifth directorial credit. He's done quite a few episodes of TV shows, as well as a film called Housebound, which I have not heard of. It's written by Akela Cooper, who produced the Marvel Netflix series Luke Cage, as well as writing a couple episodes. And it's also written in conjunction with James Wan, who was a writer for Aquaman, the DC film with Jason Momoa, Furious 7, as well as a Saw film. So he's got some experience with horror as well as some of the action comedy type genre. Um, as well as far as the cast for this film, uh, the main names that uh, I feel a need to point out here are Allison Williams, who played Gemma. Uh, you may know her from Get Out. She's also in the TV series Girls. Uh Playing her niece in the film is Violet McGraw. She plays Katie. Uh, She was in Ready Player One, as well as playing a young Elena in Marvel's Black Widow. Then you have Ronnie Chiang, who plays David. I know him from Crazy Rich Asians, as well as another Marvel film, Shang-Chi. Does seem like almost everyone these days has at least one Marvel or even DC credit. Uh, Ronnie Chiang is a hilarious actor. Everything I've seen him in, he's absolutely hilarious like i said um playing the uh physical role for megan is amy donald and then the voice credit for megan goes to jenna davis uh both of them are still relatively new in their career with small roles few acting credits nothing i have seen personally um I know I like to say I've seen a ton of movies, but there's so many movies out there that as I look into these actors and actresses, I'm shocked of how many films I have not seen. Um, I recommend if you like movies, go check out Letterboxd. It's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. It's this new film social media type app where you can write movies. I think I spent four straight hours over the course of a few days two hours straight in one day just looking at movies I've seen and rating them. I went through most of the movies I've seen. It's hard to find all of them, but I was up to, I want to say 650 to 700 movies, which is a lot and sounds like a lot, but there are so many movies out there. So back on topic, Rolling the Red Carpet, that's the main cast and crew that I think you should know about for this film. Uh... And then we're going to go into my one-minute review. So my one-minute review for this movie is it is a blast. It is so much fun. I, I, It's the most fun I've had at the theater this year and probably the most fun I've had at the theater going back to August, I think, when I saw Bullet Train. Um, it's just a really good time. Not as scary as the trailer made it out to be, or coming from Blumhouse Productions, if you know that name, you know they're horror films. It's not really horror. It's more of a comedy. Um, kind of a twisted comedy with some horror aspects. But if you're worried about the film being too scary for you, that's not the case at all. Um, as someone that traditionally doesn't like horror films, I loved this. I think everyone should go see this. I think it's going to be one of the most fun movies of the year. A huge surprise and i they're already talking about doing a second and I cannot wait. I will be there probably opening weekend for the second as I was opening weekend for this. And that's the one minute review for this film. It's fantastic. I'm going to give it an 8.2 out of 10. Already a contender for my top 10 movies of 2023. We'll see how many I see this year. I know there's some big releases coming up, but I loved this film. Our next segment, as we mentioned, is ticket sellers. What's selling tickets? That's what this segment is all about. What is getting people into theaters? Uh, One of the biggest things getting people into this theater, into theaters for this movie, is the trailer for it. Uh, There's this scene in the trailer where Megan is going to go kill someone and dancing down the hallway. Uh, It's hilarious. It's a great scene in the film. And I know for a fact that's getting people into it. I think for people who are horror film aficionados, just the name Blumhouse Productions is going to get them in the film. They are great. The Purge movies are cult classics. People love them as well as Insidious, Paranormal Activity. So I think you have two groups of people going to see this. Now three. You have the group that sees the trailer and thinks, oh, that actually looks kind of interesting and funny. I'm going to go check it out. You have the horror film fans who are going to go check it out. And then this movie has great word of mouth. It's people are talking about this film and people are going to go check it out because of that. And that's what's selling tickets for this film, in my opinion. Uh, I was there opening weekend. Like I said, I saw the trailer. Instantly, the people I see the movies see movies with, when we go through trailers, we're giving thumbs up or thumbs down. This had two thumbs up from all three of us. We were so excited and... This movie lived up to our expectations and far exceeded it, in at least my case. Um, and the flip side of ticket sellers is flops. Why might the movie flop? Um, let me start out by saying this movie is not a flop. It's, there is no way. No one is calling this a flop. No one will be calling it a flop. This movie is a massive success for Blumhouse Productions. It's, it's huge for the scale of what the movie was. But because we're talking about what could bring it down a bit. I think just the fact that it has a horror aspect to it. I don't think it's a scary movie, but the trailer kind of portrays it as scary. I don't think it's scary at all, but I think there's going to be some people, and I know some people who already said no about seeing it because it looks scary to them. So that'll keep some people out of the theater for it. But like I said, this movie's not a flop. It's already a massive success. And... In terms of talking about it being a success, our next segment is by the numbers. Uh, I'm looking at budget, box office, how are numbers telling the story of this particular movie? And in this case, the numbers are saying this movie is a huge success. Like I said, it's blowing it out of the water. Uh, a very small budget for films nowadays at only $12 million. Typically, a good rule of thumb is a movie needs to make twice its budget if not three times its budget to be profitable the ticket revenue is split with theaters so uh production companies and distributors don't get all of the ticket revenue so you can't just look at the total box office and say oh it made more than its budget so it's profitable there's additional cost on top of that budget as well in terms of marketing and whatnot which can really drive the cost on the movie up so you're looking two to three times its budget and this movie is far succeeded that. Like I said, $12 million budget. The opening weekend alone, it did $30.4 million. That's huge. It did two and a half times its budget opening weekend. The weekend after New Year's, January 6th was its full release date. It was competing with what's going to be one of the top probably top five earners all time in Avatar The Way of Water. It was second that weekend only to Avatar, but it was fantastic. And then the second weekend, the long Martin Luther King weekend, it stayed in second place. No new releases knocked it down. Got $18 million that second weekend behind only Avatar The Way of Water once again. Its total run so far, we're not even at a month yet, is $112.9 million. That's huge. I think it's up there for one of the larger earners for Blumhouse Productions, especially post-COVID, and it's gonna keep I think this movie's gonna have really long legs. I think it'll probably stay in the top three and have continuous show times until Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out, and then you'll start seeing movies start to drop off as that fills up in theaters. Avatar's gonna stay for a long time, but Megan is an absolute massive success when it comes to the box office numbers which I love. They're It's such a huge success. They're already talking about doing a second film. And it's so big, The I believe as one of the producers of the director in an interview recently was talking about there's a much gorier and darker version of the film that's left on the cutting room floor that they're talking about releasing. Sometimes they'll get production companies that work with a streamer and they release a director's cut where it's a longer version of the film. And I am stoked when if that comes out and when it does i will be watching it because this movie is already one of my favorites for the year and uh yeah that's the by the numbers for this movie a huge critical and financial success i loved it uh now we're gonna go into a spoiler section of our review for this movie Our first segment is going to be the in-depth review where we have some spoilers for it. So if you have not seen this film yet, if you do not want spoilers, time to stop listening. If you don't care about spoilers, if you just want to hear me talk about this film, let's go into our in-depth review. Okay, so we're going into the in-depth review for Megan. Uh, As I said, this is where spoilers are going to be very prevalent. I'm going to start this in-depth review by just lightly recopying the plot a little bit for you. The movie follows this young girl, Katie. After she is in a car accident with her parents that leaves her orphaned, she goes to live with her Aunt Gemma. Gemma is a engineer for a very high-tech toy company. Uh, she actually is working on this addictive toy that syncs with your iPad that kids are obsessed with. Kind of an underlying theme of kids being obsessed with these toys and toy companies really pushing that. But Katie goes to live with Gemma and... Gemma isn't cut out to be a parent. She's not there for Katie the way she should be. And as it turns out, Gemma is working on a uh, device, model generative, model three generative Android, something like that. Megan for short is what they're calling it. And she had been ordered to shut the project down, but she sees Katie struggling with the loss, not really doing well. So she turns Megan on for Katie and pairs her with her so that Megan and Katie could bond, and Katie could have someone. Well, it quickly becomes apparent that Megan is taking over the role of parent, telling Katie what to do, doing all the parent stuff, being there for her in close moments, and Gemma is just absent, essentially, she's a workaholic, well, Megan starts taking that too seriously. Seriously, she becomes overprotective of Katie, she kills a dog, she pulls the ear off of a bully. And then chases the bully through the forest until the bully falls and is hit by a car. She kills the neighbor with garden chemicals and a nail gun. uh, Just becoming to do way, way too much. And Gemma starts to notice these strange things happening and realizes, oh, Megan's not as safe as I think she is. She's tapping into other devices, becoming too much for Gemma to handle. And... This whole time that Gemma and Katie, not Gemma, Megan and Katie are bonding, Gemma's also trying to sell Megan to the toy company, get them to invest in it and make this a brand new toy. So Gemma has a lot riding on this. Not only her niece that she loves, but she's not good at showing it, but also her whole career. So eventually gets to the point where it's investor day and Gemma makes a decision that for the good of Katie she has to turn Megan off and get rid of her. This can't happen right now and Megan's adapted too much and is too good for this she nearly kills two of Gemma's co-workers and then goes through killing a few people throughout the funky the toy company office this is where that hilarious dancing in the hallway scene comes into play and then Megan makes it back to Gemma's house where Katie and Gemma are and a fight ensues between Gemma and and Megan eventually Katie comes in and takes over another defunct robot in Gemma's home and is able to kill Megan and the police show up and the movie ends with the virtual assistant type thing like in the on Alexa uh, turns around and Megan has tapped into that as it happens in robotic Android movies and now has control of that, setting us up for a Megan sequel. Um and that's your quick little run through on the plot there. Uh, the movie wasn't scary. It's enjoyable. There are some moments where you can tell they're kind of building up to a jump scare. But it's kind of done in a wink wink uh, laughing type way where you know it's coming. That it's more funny than anything. And it's there are some deeper themes in this movie though. Uh, first off, a child dealing with loss of their parent. And uh, that's tough. But they still somehow manage to do it in the funny way. There's a moment where Megan and Katie are in this observational room so people can see what this toy is capable of and if it's worth it. And Megan, which is supposed to be a child, a child robot, is talking about death in a way you would never expect from a child. And I remember we were sitting in the theater and the scene is ongoing and I start laughing because I'm like, this is absurd, like... What is happening? And it's a few seconds later as it keeps going, and the movie, the scene cuts to one of the toy executives who's crying because of what this child robot is saying, and the whole theater busts out laughing. It's got this awkward kind of uh, off the cuff humor to it that is just so enjoyable. It makes it a great movie, um, but it's that's a deep thing to be talking about: a child losing a parent, both parents. And the movie is exhibiting that and showing how when that happens, the next of kin that essentially takes over as guardian for the child isn't always cut out for it. And Gemma's not cut out for it. And because of that, she turns to an Android robot that's not fully done, that shouldn't be out there to look after this child that is now hers. And it's the message behind that I think is very important and serious of these kids, these orphaned kids really need to be put in the right situation. And yes, family is ideal, but if that family member can't do it, they can't do it. The other theme to this movie, I think, which is a very prevalent theme, is kids and their devices. Not just toys, but the devices with them and their attachment. At the very beginning of the movie, as Katie's in the car with her parents before the accident, you can tell Katie is obsessed with this stupid little toy that links to her iPad and playing with it and not doing anything else. And it's like kids these days being obsessed with the iPad and parents being able to just hand, like their kids being a nuisance, being a problem, just hand them an iPad, hand them a phone, get them to shut up and be done with it. It's... It's saying something without throwing it in your face, which is good. And it's clear they're making fun of some toy company specifically. Funky sounds like another toy company for sure. But it's uh, it's nice how they go about the themes in a funny way. Like the toy and the kid being obsessed with it. It's The toy like poops and the kids are excited about it. It's stupid, but it's funny and it has a message behind it, which is a really power not powerful thing to do but it's well done for this movie and i don't like movies when they shove the message down your throat i like it to be a little more subtle and it's great how this movie does that subtly with humor too it's i i really can't say enough good things about this movie i absolutely loved it i think it'll be in my top 10 come the end of the year um It's almost guaranteed there's going to be a couple Marvel movies in there. Maybe Ant-Man, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, but Megan is going to be one of those dark horse contenders for one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, There's not... It's mainly those two themes, the kid obsession with toys and the dealing with loss and what that means for an orphan child. But uh, this is a great movie. It's... Like I said, not scary at all. It's Those jump scares have a little ha-ha to it. They set it up for a second, which I am ecstatic about. I already mentioned the director's cut, which is going to be a lot more to it, which I hope to see and I will be watching at home. Um, I loved it. And that's about all I can say when diving deep into this movie. It's not something you really have to overtly think about, and it's not going to try to trick you in any way. The movie is what it is, and it's great. Um, once again, highly recommend it. Like I said in my one-minute review, it's an 8.2 out of 10, which it I usually will adjust these based on what else I see in the year. So it's possible if I see a bunch of good movies, I have to bump this down or I bump it up. But I loved it, uh, and that's my in-depth review. Now we're going to go into my award segments where I talk about some awards for the film. Uh, this first, we're going to look at award season. Uh, I don't think this movie is going to get anything come award season. I believe it missed the window for the Oscars and whatnot. It's a 2023 release, so it'll be next year. Um, it might get some more obscure awards. I'm sure there's some awards for horror movies and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think it's going to win like Best Comedy at the Globes. It might not even be nominated. But this movie is going to stick around. It's going to be when we talk about for years people eventually will see at home one day they're going to love it they're going to talk about it for days they're going to tell their coworkers to watch it it's just that nice middle niche where it's very enjoyable, very fun going to be one of your favorite movies but it's not going to be get the true critical acclamation, acclaim that you see from Oscar movies Golden Globes, Zag, all that it's going to be almost a cult classic and that makes sense. As I talked about it by the numbers, the movie has had great legs. Already over a hundred million dollars. It's at that weird middle ground of not being recognized by the film industry, so to say, but people are talking about it. I've heard other podcast episodes about this movie already. I've seen articles about it. Everyone loves it. And that's no surprise having seen it as for an award for this movie uh i'm gonna give a co-award co-mvp award here to amy donald and jenna davis who play the physical character of megan and the voice of megan um they're fantastic together uh some of the physical cues the way megan turns her head reacts to things that dancing in the hallway are done fantastically it's it makes this creepy character really funny but also creepy it blends them together very well and the voice is outstanding it's a great mix on those uh, virtual assistants you have on your phone or your Alexa or your Google all of that it has it's nice being able to hear that voice say regular things not just scripted things and it's very intriguing and it's so well done the two of them together really bring this character to life and I've said it multiple times in this episode already. I'm going to say it again. I cannot wait for a second movie of this. I think it's going to be fantastic. I will be there opening weekend. I'm going to watch, if they release a director's cut, I'm going to watch it at home. This movie is fantastic. Uh, I also, I've heard other podcasts hand out for who has the hot hand, who's just briefly in the movie, but they're killing it in every scene they're in. And that's Ronnie Chiang. He plays David. As I said, he's in Crazy Rich Asians and Shang-Chi. Everything he's in, he's really funny. He's just a great comedy actor, especially in those smaller roles where you don't... He's not the main character in the film. You're not seeing him in every scene or every other scene. But when he's there, he steals the spotlight. He makes you laugh out loud. And he's got great facial acting. It's I I really like what Ronnie does. I'm going to keep my eye out for other movies he's in, especially comedy movies, because... I think he brings a level of humor and really accents the main cast and characters of the film very well. Uh, bravo to you, Ronnie, with that hot hand. Just great work. And that's going to be all the awards I award out for this film. Uh, some films are going to have more awards. Some will have less. This one just has the two awards and not much to do with award season. Of course, as I mentioned, every movie will have a sidekick on the flick. A personal award that I'm awarding. No matter what, whether I love the film or hate it, this one of course I loved, but I'm going to award it, bring attention to someone who's not the main, you're not seeing them on the movie poster, you're not seeing them get late night interviews. And for Megan, the sidekick of the flick is going to go to writer and it's screenplay by, on the credits, Akilah Cooper. Uh, Akilah wrote for four episodes of Luke Cage, the Netflix Marvel series, as well as producing multiple of those episodes she already has a credit for the pre-production on megan 2.0 she the other movie she worked on is something called hellfest which once again once again i haven't heard of but uh there's no doubt that it's going to be her there's a difference between writer and screenplay usually a writer or story by is just the story of the film it's just straight through here's what happens and then you have screenplay which has a lot of production cues camera cuts panning what the actors are doing physically and for every role an actor or actress portrays they bring a lot to it they bring some of themselves and put themselves in the role and make it their own but all of that starts with the screenplay they get the script and the screenplay and they read that first and that's where it all starts and the screenplay for this movie written by akila cooper as i said is fantastic it's Amy and Jenna did a great job playing Megan, but a lot of that comes from the screenplay as well. Like that hallway dancing scene that I keep mentioning, it's the screenplay talks about that. You have Ronnie who is scared in the hallway, David, and it cuts to Megan as she's standing there with, I think, a katana. And she starts dancing and jiving down the hallway. And it's the theater is busting out laughing, laughing. The theater busted out laughing almost every time I saw that trailer and it's those types of cues that the screenplay comes up with and lots of times directors may change them on the spot or work to do something different but it all starts from that screenplay and Akilah Cooper wrote an excellent screenplay in this film and it really helped bring the movie to life I I can't say enough good things not only about her work but about this movie as a whole it's fantastic I really hope you go see it I Hope you think of the screenplay, maybe not during the movie, sit there and enjoy it, but afterwards think of some of your favorite scenes and how the screenplay directed the camera to pan a certain way or to hold on a certain way or the actor to look up, look over, look at the camera, whatever it may be, screenplay is a vital part of movie production and Aquila Cooper, sidekick of the flick for Megan, without a doubt in my mind. And that's going to be the whole review and all of our segments for Megan. Uh, once again, directed by Gerard Johnstone from Blumhouse Productions, starring Allison Williams, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Ching, Amy Donald, Jenna Davis, written by Akilah Cooper. 112.9 million so far as of me recording this. Came out just January 6th. Today's the 22nd and this movie is fantastic. I Anyone right now who texts me asking for a movie recommendation, I am instantly saying, if there's a Showtime, go see Megan. Tons of fun. Please go check this out if you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't seen the trailer, watch it, and that will probably sell you on it. Don't be worried. It's not a scary movie. It's a comedy more than anything. And thanks for joining us for our review of Megan. Well, thank you for being here for our first movie review for Megan. Uh, as I said in the review 8.2 out of 10 please go see it Uh, I loved that film and I love films in general and I'm going to be here talking about them with you as often as I can as I said at the start of this episode please make sure you follow us Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Sidekick Critic make sure you subscribe to the Sidekick Critic podcast on YouTube that's at Sidekick Critic as well that's where our full episodes are going to be like this one we're looking to post at a minimum one movie review a week because we love films and we love... I think this week we're actually going to fill up our entire A-list reservation slot. So it's a lot of movies coming down the pipe. We've already seen five or six in 2023. So we're hoping to be busting out reviews pretty quick going forward here. Um, I love films. I love talking about them and I love giving attention to the sidekicks. Sidekick of the flick is always going to be there Once again, congrats to Akilah Cooper for winning Sidekick of the Flick. For Megan, a fantastic screenplay, her work. I was able to notice it from the start in that film. The screenplay was well done. And yeah, at Sidekick Critic, wherever you are, follow us. And I'm delighted that you joined us for our first episode and our first movie review here. And I cannot wait to see you next time for our next review where I'm going to be talking about A Man Called Otto. So once again, thank you for stopping by and I'll see you next time.